Are you ready? Can't crush us. It don't really get no better than this the podcast that you're looking for. If you really heavy in the wrestling, hosted by the mark. Energy that's so amazing. Gotta keep it entertaining. Rep the can crush a nation. Yeah, you know what's going down in the ring. Lights out when you hit a ding ding. Knock them out like boom bada bing. Hold it down, you can crown me the king. Gotta shout out to the Miz and Duke the dumpster. We choke slamming everybody, power driving, hit them with a face buster. Yeah, yeah, this the show you need an and it ain't no need for waiting. Mark, hold it down for the can crush a nation. All about wrestling and keep it entertaining. Can crushers wrestling podcast. Time to break them. Let's go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can crushers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can crushers. Let's go. Welcome back to another Can Crusher Spotlight. I am your host, Mark DeMarc Martinez, and I have a guest. It's not the guest that you see in the picture of the Mass Saint. It's a guest co-host this week, so you know it's a big show. It's a big show because Sir Michael Jenks is here, and I'm impressed. This is your first Spotlight joining me. How the heck you doing? Uh, I'm good right now. I feel like I'm breaking a wall here. I'm finally allowed to come on over to the interview side of things. Did you know, I don't know what's going on here. I must have I must have sucked up to you pretty well to get over here. I think you uh, <laughs> in your other in your other podcast about when you unboxed everything, you made all the the feelings on the inside happy. So I said, "Well, I might as well let this sucker throw him a bone." <laughs> thanks, thanks for bringing a young kid along to get his just uh, dues here. Work his way up in the business. But this is a big one. This is yeah. about guys. If you have not seen the movie The Mass Saint. It is available pretty much everywhere. You can buy it. You can watch it for free on Tubi. I believe it's on Amazon Prime. It's it, it legitimately everywhere. And it's a wrestling slash religious movie. And to me, Jenks, it hit home. It really did. So I instantly reached out to Chris Whaley. And then I attacked you to say, hey, do you want to join in on this? Because this movie touched me. Yeah. It was a very touching movie. Um, I loved a lot of the themes that were going on, and and it told a beautiful story around such a unique tale. And I can't wait to ask Chris more about it and what you know what inspired him. Yeah, don't give don't give it away. Settle down, kid. Settle down, kid. Get me excited for the story time. So we'll see what happens. But it's inspiring me to ask some questions. And. Essentially, this was the last thing that Roddy Piper did as well. And we also know somebody else in this movie, at least I do, and we'll we'll hold that. We'll hold that in our back pocket so when we talk to Chris about this. But, yeah, uh, first interview, first ride for you, and it's a big one because this movie has been seen worldwide. Yeah, and that is impressive in its own right. It is. Of course, guys, we have to tell you where we are. We're on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Instagram. Guess what? We're everywhere. I'm, I'm going to be that guy today. We are everywhere. On all the socials, we're anywhere a podcast can be found. You can email us at cancrushers69 at gmail.com. We'll answer your questions. We'll get you set up for an interview as well. We'll do all that cool stuff. And then when you go over to Collar and Elbow and buy some shirts and stuff, we have a promo code that you'll be able to save 10%. It's Can Crushers, all one word, capital C and Can, capital C and Crushers. You'll save 
Here comes Al to tell you about it, and then when we come back, we'll have the mass saint himself, Chris Whaley, on the line. And Jenks, after we get done doing the introductions, you can ask the first question. Oh, well, thank you. Wrestling. A love and a passion we all share. I've started a wrestling brand. The wrestling brand. A brand founded on the aspects of wrestling. Two entities working together to create a product that connect emotionally for people everywhere. Collar and Elbow is the brand. Passion and love for wrestling is the drive. I am Al Snow, and this is Collar and Elbow. The wrestling brand. And welcome back to Can Crushers, guys. I told you, and Mike told you too, how excited we are to dive into this interview with the mass saint, Chris Whaley. And there's no beating around the bush. He's on the line right now. Mr. Whaley, how are you doing today? Man, I don't think I have ever felt better. If I was doing any better, I think I'd have to wipe some of it off. That's a, <laughs> that's a true – so you still have wrestling in you. That's a true wrestling promo coming out right there. Yeah. <laughs> so, Michael, I, I, I'm going to pass to you. Your, your first time up here. Go ahead. Run with a, a few questions, and I'll dive in. Yeah, you know, Chris, great to have you on the line in that – Really, I wanted to start off with, we talk about early on in your career, you know, and reading your synopsis and all that, you were trained by the great Malenko, and you wrestled so many, like, Rocky Johnson and Undertaker. So let's take you through that first, when you first got into wrestling, what inspired you? Because you weren't a pastor at that time, correct? You were, you no. started in wrestling and then moved into being a pastor. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I, I was the, uh, I was a sickly kid. Uh, growing up, you know, I was in and in and out of the hospital. Uh, like in my second grade, I was in the hospital with uh, pneumonia. Third grade, I was in the hospital with pneumonia. Fourth grade, I had uh, uh, polio and uh, <clears throat> viral encephalitis. I was in the hospital for like three oh, months, wow. and then you know the next year back in the hospital and and so forth. And I had a I had a great doctor. Matter of fact, I I used his name. In my, uh, in my book, I actually got in touch with him. He had like eight or nine kids. He was a Catholic and he had like eight or nine kids and they all turned out to be doctors. And so I was able to, uh, get in touch with one of them just to say, Hey, I want to use your dad's name in my book because he was so influential. But he, he just wouldn't give up and, and finally got me over to a big clinic in uh, central Florida and they found out that I was uh, allergic to everything. I mean, I was allergic to everything. And so my immune system was not working. And uh, so they got me on on meds uh, that I took uh, up until my junior year in in college. But when he got me on these meds, and then plus he he was the one that said, you know, I want you to go to the gym and I want you to start working with the weights because I had to learn to walk all over again uh, Mm -hmm. after the polio. And uh, so I started, you know, going to the gym and I just, I just loved it. And then 
I started putting on weight and, you know, I was, of course, I couldn't improve my height. You know, I was like 5'10", but, um, but as far as the body, the body started coming together. My, uh, my uh, wife and I uh, graduated from uh, college together and we came back to Central Florida and I was looking for a youth pastor's position because, you know, churches don't want a pastor that's 23 years old. They want somebody that's a little bit older, but you can do, you have to get experience as a youth pastor. Okay. So, uh, and I wasn't getting much hits on that. So anyway, uh, I just had so much time. I'm in the gym every day and I was in the best shape of my life. And uh, I came home one day and got the Tampa Tribune and started looking through it. And I saw this ad for said wanted professional wrestlers and I jumped up out of my seat and my wife was a, a high school math teacher and I took it over to her and showed her I said, look at this and she she just kind of rolled her eyes and kept grading papers so I, uh, I mine does I, the same uh, thing yeah yeah I said well I'm, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go so I just I threw some stuff in a bag and I uh, I drove over to Tampa and I walked in and, you know, there was the Larry Simons, the great Malenko. And I was just, I was blown away because I had watched him. Uh, I, got, I got hooked on wrestling while I was in the hospital because you get your days and your nights mixed up. And so late at night, there was nothing on except professional wrestling. And mm-hmm. so I just got hooked on it. And so um, I started and and he was just a, you know, he's a, the, one of the greatest trainers, I think, in the business. Uh, he trained, ever, ever. Uh, yeah. you know, he trained Mark Miro. He trained, I, I can't remember all who, who he has trained, but, and then plus uh, his own son, you know, I got to work with Dean, uh, who, mm. you know, had a great career in the WWE as the man of a thousand holes. And uh, his brother, Jody, I think Jody was the best out of all of them. He was, he was trained by the, the great Carl Gotch. And, uh, oh, wow. He was, you know, he was just awesome, and I'm just shocked that his career didn't go. But he's, you know, he's doing a lot of other stuff too. But he's he's a great guy. But just, uh, you know, got hooked on it and worked and worked uh, to, you know, do the very best I could. And and you know, so so different to that. I think some of those guys work for a week and they put them in a match. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. You just make sure you knew what you were doing when you got in there. But uh, he was just a great, great guy, and he was helpful to me when uh, when I left. I spent my last three years in Texas, and uh, he was a big help to me when I went to Texas too. So, really, that, that's the way it got started. You kind of stole some of my big yeah. questions right there, which is fine because it's like you read my rundown. I was going to ask how you found wrestling. I, I didn't know if like somebody in your family. You know, directed you towards it, saying, "Hey, this is something to watch as a kid," because that—that's my grandfather for me. But you yeah. found it in the hospital. Which, uh, what, what one was it? What organization was it? Oh, it was uh, championship. Championship. Yeah, Florida, that's what I know. thought. You know, in in those days, they had more like twenty six territories. You know, all over the United States, and Florida was a big biggest one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, any, anybody that wanted to. To, to do good in the business came to Florida and it, it was just, uh, it was the, the best, you know, Eddie Graham, uh, gosh, uh, Johnny Valentine, uh, Joe Scarpa, uh, just, uh, Bobby Duncan. And, uh, you know, I remember when, uh, 
uh, Dick Murdoch and Dusty Rhodes were tag team partners, and you know Dusty was still a heel. I mean, I I go back that far. So uh, it was it was the best. I thought it was the best. And Texas, I thought Texas was great. Did you get to yeah. work at WCCW at all? Um, that that's how much I didn't do because I was I wanted to hear the stories real life with the Von Erics or anything. No, um, you know, I, I started in 78 and, and worked mostly in Florida. And then, uh, but I, I think, you know, Florida was, uh, you know, NWA yeah. at that time, but, right. uh, WCW was just really starting to crank while I was in seminary, uh, in Fort Worth, Texas. That that's why I was in Texas. I was going to seminary, uh, in Fort Worth and you know got the uh the opportunity to to work there and of course you know you had the devon erics in east texas and you had the funks in west texas and you had putsky down in south texas so it was it was a big big state and uh doesn't even include all the independents that were working in texas at that time too yeah you had blanchard and everybody too sorry mike you can go ahead i'm just gonna keep you good old school wrestling <laughs> i got a couple years on him chris so he might not know some of those but that's okay go ahead oh trust me i know a lot of those um i was intrigued by the eddie graham one and i saw that you know basically doing some research for this that was one of your main rivals in nwa for the when you were wrestling down there so i guess talk about eddie graham or you know your experiences with him and wrestling him and no, you know, I I didn't um, I, I didn't get to do that. Um, uh, he and uh, Malenko had kind of had a you know a falling out, and mm. so Malenko was kind of like opposition there, and so okay. he wasn't a very <laughs> he wasn't looked on very favorable by Eddie Graham. <laughs> and, Fair. Um, so that that part. Uh, didn't work out, you know. Yeah. A. a Graham, man, he 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 had it locked up. Uh, it's kind of funny, you know. Um, I think he had a sign out in front of the sport uh, the, where they did their TV tapings. If you know, if you were interested in becoming a professional wrestling, see him. And then he would he'd, he'd put you in the ring against Bob Roop. Uh, and, you know, Bob Roop was a collegiate All-American and he wrestled in the Olympics and then he, he uh, got into pro wrestling. And matter of fact, there's a, there's a great thing on YouTube where Bob Roop's uh, working against a wannabe. And if you've never okay. seen that, <laughs> you ought to watch it. Cause it's, <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. I mean, this guy thinks he's going to be a professional wrestler and then Eddie Graham puts him against Bob Root. Bob almost breaks his, breaks his arm in there. It is unbelievable. But, you know, in my day, there was just a bad blood between independence and, um, you know, uh, CWF. Uh, and you, it kind of put an X on you. If, if okay. you had, had been associated at all with the independence here in Florida, of course, you know it's so different today, but in that day, it was it was a big deal. Yeah, it almost sounds like it was like a gang mentality, not in the sense of if you were marked as this one person, or in wrestling terms, if you were a WCW guy, you came to WWF at the time, oh, you yeah. were outcasted or blackballed. It was kind. Of, it sounds like it was kind of a similar situation in Florida yeah. in the eighties, and it's probably happened across the country as well. Yeah, it was kind of kind of bad blood in those days. It really was. Yeah. Were you, when when you walked in your first day for training and you're like, yeah, but I'm going to do this, 
we, we've talked to Arn Anderson, we've talked to Barry Horowitz, we've talked to guys like that that, that went into to training and they said, uh, legitimately, they tried to break your arm, work you over to see if you were coming back the next day. Did you have that same type of experience? Uh, no, I, I, I had that experience working against guys. But oh, you did I, it? Yeah, not when oh. I was training, though, because uh, no, Malenko, he was... I mean, you, you, if, if you didn't get in there and do what he told you to do, and he didn't see you working, you know, he's not going to keep you around. Right. Uh, so, but no, there was nobody legitimately out to, you know, break your arm or your leg or anything like that when when you're getting, uh, you know, when you're just starting out. But I, boy, I tell you, I had, had some experiences with guys in the ring, though. Um, you know, I'll, I'll never forget uh, one night in Texas. You know, I showed up. I didn't, I didn't even know who I was working against, and uh, and I got there and I and I asked the promoter, I said, "Who who am I working against?" And he pointed this, you know, big black guy over in the corner, lacing up his boots. He said, "You're working against him. He's new." And then, of course, you you get this knot in your stomach when you're working against somebody that's green. And this kid was he was a nose tackle for the San Diego Chargers. Wow. And, you know, over 300 pounds and just enormous guy. And uh, that was the closest I think I ever came to death because he didn't know what he was doing. He was throwing me around like a rag doll and, and you had these visions of breaking your neck or whatever. Hmm. And then, um, you know, Adrian Adonis, I got a, uh, I guess one of the worst shoulder injuries I ever, ever had uh, against him. Uh, but, uh, and then the, my last concussion that I had was uh, Bruiser Brody in Texas. You know, when he kicked you in the head, man, he kicked the crap out of you. So, <laughs> he, you know, you had those, you had those, but then uh, that was that was part of it. You know, I, I I get I get so sick of professional athletes today. You see a football player with a toe injury not not working. You know, I, I mean, I I broke ribs and worked the next night. So. It's just, uh, it's, it's so different today. I mean, it, in those days, if you didn't work, there's somebody standing behind you ready to get in there and take your place. So, and your money. You yeah. You, know, you didn't, you didn't want to, you didn't want to take a chance on that happening. So, I mean, I, I'd get a concussion one night and work the next night. So, you know, I probably had over a hundred concussions. Wow. 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 I'm yeah. sitting here. My wife doesn't let me play contact sports with 10 that I've had documented. And she's like, nope, you're not allowed doing that. Nope, you're not allowed. You were pretty sure you've had over 100. That's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. That you're yeah. able to talk and live. Yeah. Very, very fortunate. You know, I, I don't know how it's going to turn out in the end. You know, I'm starting to forget some things. Uh, but and, and you get a little nervous when you start forgetting things and stuff. But so far, you know, so far it's okay. I haven't, I haven't uh, been speaking and completely go zonked out or anything. So that's a good thing. That is a good thing. Yeah, that is a plus. Did you have anybody that once you, you know, showed up at the venue that you were working in, you know, either Malenko or anybody said, Hey, you're working with wrestler X. Were you happy that, you and whoever worked together as many times or or did you like new opponents each each night 
And I'm not oh, saying what? green ones, because I know yeah. I, I've heard that from many indie stars mm. or legends that green ones are hard to work with. Yeah. No, I didn't I didn't I didn't enjoy it all working against them. If they had to if they were green, I I didn't you know, it depended if they if they were humble and they they wanted to learn, you know, that's one thing. But you know, usually the heel leads to max. So right. If you're you're working against a, a heel that's green, then that's that's, that's pretty bad. And um, but no, I you know I, I was excited anytime I worked against somebody new. I, I was excited uh, because you know they they all everybody does different stuff, and so you know you just want to see how it comes together in the in the ring. So I didn't mind at all. One more, and then I'll let Mike yeah. ask another one. Where did you come up with the Mass Saint? Is it just because you were going through seminary, or was it something that you had kind of planned for you know the whole time uh, of being a professional wrestler? No, when I first started, I was using uh, you know I was using my own name, you know, a couple of them, and I'd switch it to. Uh, uh, Chris Hawkins. I did did I found out that I had Hawkins in my family and I oh, I'm gonna use that and then Samuels I used that one and then um but uh, I finally got that call from the church. Uh, I got a call from the church. It was a large uh county seat uh type church and um so I'm I'm a youth minister and uh my wife told me she was pregnant with our first child and and they really didn't pay youth ministers very well in those days. And uh, my wife was a, a teacher. And in, in those days, uh, when you were out pregnant, you didn't get any kind of compensation. So uh, you know, I, I went to the, the the head pastor and said, you know, I could I could really um, help our family if I could wrestle a couple of nights a week. And and uh, you know, I do have a couple of days off and, and that would really help us. And he said, uh, no way, absolutely not. We're gonna, not going to make this church into a circus. And, and so I was home on Saturday and I was watching wrestling and there was one of my buddies working with a hood. And that's when it hit me. And I said, you know, that, that's what I can do. So I, I said, what, what would my gimmick be? And, so since I was in the ministry, I thought of the saint, and I know uh, I know Fidel Sierra worked as the saint, but I was working as the saint before Sierra. We had that little back and forth when I see him. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, mm. um, I, I you know I ordered um, a white mask, and I ordered uh, um, you know the white white trunks and white boots and and had the the white cape and so i started working as the uh, working as the saint and um never worked uh, any other gimmick until i, I retired and that's that's what i did for about the last uh, nine years crazy wow yeah that that's it's crazy where you can find inspiration for just yeah. uh for your gimmick or anything you do it was kind of neat you know because uh the the pastor didn't know I was working a couple of nights a week. Yeah, that's that's the uh, yeah, slap and, that I like that he didn't know. Yeah, yeah, nobody nobody else knew. So I'd show up at the church with a you know broken nose and black eyes. 
say, what happened? <laughs> well, my, said, my wife oh, beat me up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just told him I fell down, which was true. You know, I fell down, yeah. but I had a lot of help. And, uh, <laughs> and they they just thought they had a clumsy youth minister. That's all it was. But uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I thought it was kind of neat, you know, that I could work and nobody else knew who it was. So that was a good thing. That is that is amazing, that anonymity that you can have just to go back and forth without really giving away who you are and what you are. You know, we transition into talking about being a wrestler and being a pastor at the same time. I was wondering if there's anything from life experience of being a wrestler that you could that you leverage being a pastor or vice versa. How some being a pastor experiences that you could put in the ring, use for your promo or use for your gimmick to get uh, to just further it along. Now help help me with that again because I I, I so didn't get it, all of that when you were saying yeah yeah. So if I look at it being a wrestler and you're you're a youth pastor, you're doing things. Um, and forgive me for not knowing exactly how a youth pastor pastor operates in the church, but uh, like for sermons, do you, can you draw from that experience from being a wrestler, or is there something in your being a pastor or you're in your faith? That you could use in the ring to obviously further the same um, persona that you had going on in there. Yeah, you, you know, um, it, it's amazing the uh, uh, you know the illustrations that you can get out of it, uh, out of the wrestling that you can apply to when you have the opportunity to uh, to speak to people. You, you, you use those things, you know, uh, and you have to. You have to find a way to do that, to use that, to get get your point across. But of course, your faith. You know, when I was when I was in wrestling, there there weren't a lot of uh, just a lot of Christians that I knew of mm-hmm. in, in in wrestling. Uh, it's so different today because oh my gosh, uh, Ted DiBiase is a born again Christian. Right. Uh, Tully Blanchard, uh, Nikita Koloff, George um, South. Yeah, and um, uh, Lex Luger, you know, his, his life has changed dramatically since his health issues. Yeah. And um, so today it's not unusual at all to see, you know, Christians in the business. I don't know about the young guys. I haven't heard any, about any of them. But um, uh, in that day, there really wasn't. Uh, I had, I guess my closest friend in Texas was uh, Tom Jones. And Tom was... He was one of the very first uh, black wrestlers. You can you can Google him or YouTube. You, you guys yeah. probably don't know who Tom Jones. Oh, was, I do. Yeah, I do. I've yeah. heard of him several times. Yeah, but Tom was just a. He was a great friend. He was not only a great friend, a great wrestler, but he was he was a great guy. And uh, Tom, uh, I really uh, believe was you know a, uh, a Christian at that time, and so. We got to spend time together. I, you know, I love taking him to church with me, and uh, of course, the people saw him on TV, and they they loved it. But he he was just a, a great guy to to be around. Uh, Solomon Grundy, uh, Tim Haygood, uh, just a great guy. I love traveling with that guy. He was just a, a real hoot. Uh, you know, the Von Erichs they came across one way. Um, to the public and you know besides the Dallas Cowboys they were they were the biggest names in Texas but you know when you when you get in the dressing room and see how they act and and you know there was like 
I, I never wanted to live one way at home and live a different way at church for my kids. You know, I didn't want them to see hypocrisy. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, that just it really saddened me to see that. Uh, but, you know, um, you know, I, I was the guy over in the corner putting his stuff on, and then after the show's over, you know, that most of those guys usually hit the bars and strip clubs and things like that. I didn't, I didn't do that. You know, I I headed home to my wife and my girls, and um, uh, I enjoyed that a lot more than what I think they got out of out of their lives. Uh, but um, I just, you know, I didn't, didn't want to be a hypocrite. I didn't want somebody, you know, in the business to say, Hey, you're working as a, you know, a Christian, but you're not acting like it. I just didn't want that. So, uh, I just tried to live the faith and tried to be a good witness to them. But, um, I still wanted to be friends and still wanted to, uh, to build those strong relationships with those guys. But, you know, um, <laughs> my lifestyle was a little bit different than theirs. Yeah. The, you, you brought up Devon Erickson. I was at WrestleCade probably about three years ago and, and you hear, and I'm not bashing them. These are stories from other people. And I'm not even going to bring up, you know what they said, but they, they were completely different people. What you saw on TV compared yeah. to what was in the locker room or out on the streets was, you know, like you just said, Chris, was unbelievable so yeah um but but i tell you they were the you know they were the real deal in wrestling oh yeah they were the rock stars you know, they were the it was just incredible incredible that they were great workers they you know they just were unbelievable athletes and and did so much for the the business you know along with uh you know, Fritz, Fritz is one of the icons in, in the business. Yeah. And uh, so they were, you couldn't take anything away from them on that. And, and you know, I didn't, I, I didn't walk with them every day. So I really don't know what they were going through. And I'm not going to pass judgment on them at all. Before we transition into the movie a little bit, I, I have one more. And I don't know if Jenks ha has any, but what has wrestling brought to your life then? Uh, and this is before we get to you full fledged retiring, and then this movie comes out. So you're, you know, you're retired. You're, you know, you're doing kind of both. But what what is the main thing that wrestling has brought to your life? Um, it, you know. I think it's helped me in just every area. Um, if you, if you didn't, you know, if you didn't stay in shape and you didn't work on your profession, um, it just, it didn't get, you know, it didn't get better for you. And so I think it's, it's it taught me discipline in just about every, uh, area of my life. Um, I just loved it. I mean, I loved wrestling from the minute. That I walked in there, I didn't know it was a work. You know, when I started, when I started with Malenko, I didn't, I didn't know it was a work. I thought, you know, this wow. is real and everything. Yeah. And uh, and then you know when, and and we were very tight, tight lived. No, you protected the business. You know, you you know, kayfabe, man. Hey, you didn't have idiots like us calling people and wanting to talk to them, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. You never, you never betray the business, and now you know everybody knows it's a work. Um, but I get, you know, a lot of people in churches that ask me, "How could you get in there when you know that it's not real?" And 
course, I, I get kind of uh, I get kind of testy when you come at me like that because don't tell me it was real. You know, I I crushed my ankle. I've had five knee yeah. surgeries, two ACLs, MCLs. I dislocated hips, broke pelvis. I've broken all my ribs. I cracked my sternum. Uh, both collarbones. I've had both shoulders surgically repaired. Neck injuries, back Wow. And I'm deaf in my uh, deaf in my left ear from getting punched so many times in the ear, and I broke my nose so many times I can't breathe out of it today. So don't tell me, you know, that it's not not real. I mean, it's it's predetermined. Yeah. Uh, but and they say, well, how could you go in when it's predetermined? It's, you know, as long as I did the very best that I could do, do the best job that I could do. I think that's all God would expect me to do is just make sure I was doing the best that I could. And I didn't, you know, I didn't hurt anybody. Uh, mm. I, I didn't do anything uh, wrong while I was doing it. I was just doing something I absolutely loved. And I mean, if I could get up off the floor today, I'd still do it. You know, I love it. So, so you're uh, saying there's a comeback? Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, my, I get on the floor. I, I still uh, work out every week. You know, I do like uh, 300 push-ups, I do 30 at a time and, uh, you know, do 30 10 times. And, and I do, you know, the other stuff with the weights and all. But uh, when I get on the ground, it, it's rough to get up. So it's, it, there's not going to be any comebacks when you can't get up <laughs> off the floor. All right. Only by miracle, right? <laughs> If your if your wife lets you, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, some guys, my gosh, uh, Dory Punk. I know. Uh, I, I was his pastor. Yeah. I was his pastor back in the nineties, and I think uh, you know he's like in his uh, early sixties. He's still going to Japan and working against those guys. Yeah, at that age. And I mean, my gosh, Dory, he worked, Lutez, I think, worked till he was, you know, like 70. So some of those guys can, can do it. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, I just don't see how they did it, but they, they did it. And some, you know, you got some guys that are older now that are still working. So that's just amazing to me that they can still do it. Yeah, God bless them. I'm 44, and I have uh, tr uh, trouble jumping on and off a garbage truck sometimes. So I understand. I understand your pain. Hey, I'm 33, and I'm limping around my house now just from falling. So it's because you fell on ice, you idiot. No, I'm yeah, sorry. well, you know. I was having pain before that. So. Yeah. All right, let's transition over to the movie because the movie, Chris, is essentially exactly your life, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it, there's not a lot of this was twisted, that was twisted. This is, if you want to call it a documentary then, because when I think of movie, I think of Star Wars or I think of Marvel or something, but this is more of a documentary about your life. How did this become to fruition, I guess? Well, I, I, uh, I graduated from uh, seminary in 1988. Uh, I was 33 years old uh, when I graduated. I was really a my career was just starting to get, get, you know, really Going. good. Yeah. And, yeah. and then, you know, I, uh, uh, wrestling was my dream, but, uh, the ministry was my calling and this is exactly what I knew God wanted me to do. And so I got, um, I got my, uh, masters of divinity from Southwestern Baptist theological seminary in Fort Worth. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, then I went to my first church, and uh, I got to come back to Central Florida. And I, it was, you know, uh, a small church, and it definitely had had its problems. And um, one of the first things that took place is I had I had this young lady who uh, would come into the she'd drop her kids off at our kids program and then she'd come into the sanctuary. She was always like the last one in and the first one to leave. And then, um, uh, I didn't get to talk to her that much. And then one Sunday she came in, uh, with sunglasses on. And, uh, after the service was over, I always stood at the front of the church and I shook hands with people as they left. And she was like the last person to come out that day. And she took, she took my hand with both of her hands and she had her head down and you could see tears, uh, going down her cheeks. And I lifted her sunglasses and she had two black eyes and mm. it, just, it just infuriated me. And I, I said, did your husband do this? And, and I said, yeah, he did it. And, um, I said, well, I'm going to go see him. She was like, Oh no, he'll hurt you, hurt you. And I said, no, I'm not worried about it. So. Anyway, I just I went to his house and called him out and uh, said, you know, I, uh, one thing I know about bullies is they only pick on people they know they can beat. <clears throat> and I, I don't understand how in the world, you know, you could hit the mother of your children. Uh, you're supposed to be the priest, prophet and provider of your home. And here you are, you know, hitting your children's mom. And any man that would hit a woman is a dirtbag. And so I came today just to see how you do against somebody who could fight back. And um, uh, it was great because, you know, as a pastor, you don't get to relieve your stress very much. And uh, so I got a chance to relieve my stress a lot that day. And that was the beginning of it, you know. Uh, I just I, I settled things more as a professional wrestler than I did as a pastor. And then. Then I just started having incident after incident after incident happen. And um, I was you know, telling my wife, you know, there's nothing good on TV these days. I used to I used to love uh, Michael Landon, you know, because he put such good, moral, yeah. clean stuff on TV. Little you know, House on the Little Prairie. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and uh, uh, yeah. the Highway to Heaven, you know. Yeah. And I said. Uh, and then he died and nobody else is doing that. And I thought, you know, this would make a great TV series. And so um, I tried. I didn't look at myself as a writer. So I tried to find somebody who could write it for me and for a couple of years and it, it, no success. And then the invention of the personal computers uh, came out. And and uh, so one Saturday, I just sat down at the, you know, at the computer and started typing and and. When I got through, I showed it to my wife, and she said, hey, that's great. Keep going. And so the book was so easy to write because, you know, each one of those chapters is based upon something that happened to me. And so that's the way I was able to put it down. And then, you know, I finished the book and uh, got it published. And, um, you know, the first person that talked to me was talking about a movie and not a TV series. And it just, you know, never had the opportunity to be made in that. But that that's how it came about, man. I, you know, I, I wrote the book and then I had people started talking to me about it.
Yeah, wow. and I, I'd be remiss to say if this before the movie came out, the book was there and everything else. If you haven't gotten the book, you haven't gotten the movie, you didn't get the signed autograph, which all of this is going to be coming to my house shortly. I can't wait. Um, <laughs> make sure you head over to the website that's attached to the link, guys. If we put it up on in the show, you know, you guys forget to write it down or whatever, but it's attached to the link. Make sure you go there. Sign up, get them all. The three pack is well worth it. I can't wait to watch, read, and hang the picture in the studio. I'm pumped. I, I really am. So, go ahead, Mike. <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah, that's amazing. How everything transpired. It was almost like a domino effect for you. Yeah. Essentially, you put it down on paper, and then all of a sudden, out of was it like out of nowhere that people started reaching out and just saying, "Hey." We think this yeah. would be a great movie, or is it just? Did you think it was going to get that far? No, Obviously, I, you wanted it to, but yeah, no, I, I did. My my sister actually worked um, for a, the school system in Orange County, which is the Orlando area, hmm. and uh, one of her friends there. Uh, I mean, the the lady's kids went to that school, and she gave her uh, a copy of my book. And this lady was the wife of uh, Kim Dawson. And Kim Dawson, he he was the uh, executive producer of the first three uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies that were blockbusters. Okay. And, and then um, then he, uh, he was the executive producer of a movie with Jim Caviezel uh, called The Bobby Jones Story, Stroke of Genius. And then he did a faith-based movie called Letters to God. And okay. uh, so, uh, you know, he he read the book, and he was the first one to call me in and spent almost a year, you know, back and forth. Uh, they even had a, a, a script written for it, and everything was going well. And then all of a sudden he said, nope, I'm not interested anymore. And um, I... But during that time, I got to meet people in the business, and uh, uh, so I had a a producer in uh, Toronto, Canada, that flew down to Disney World and met me, and I, uh, I I drove out and I met him. He was very interested in making it into a movie, and then that fell through, and then somebody else, and that fell through, and I got pretty frustrated because it started like in 2010. Uh, 2009, 2010, and <clears throat> it, it just became so frustrating that I was I was sick of it, and I said I'm just going to put it on the shelf, and maybe one day you know the grandkids can pull it off the shelf and say, hey, look what Papa wrote. But yeah. uh, February February of 2013, uh, I was driving to the gym, and my phone rang, and it was this producer in uh in canada and he called me and i answered and he, he said has anybody uh has anybody done anything with your book and i i'm driving and I, he can't see me so i get to roll my eyes and i said no nobody's done anything with the book and he said okay and so i hung up and, and then two weeks later <laughs> i'm driving back to the gym and the phone rang and um there was that guy and I answered, and he said, uh, are you sitting down? And I said, matter of fact, I am. I'm driving. And he said, well, you might want to pull over to the side of the road. And I pulled over, and he, I said, what's up? And he said, we're going to make your book into a movie. 
and I was just I was just dumbfounded. And wow. uh, they were supposed to they were supposed to uh, film it in July in Canada, so that they could say that it still took place in Florida. But they okay. didn't get the, they didn't get the script finished until October. Uh-huh. So they filmed it, um, and the, it started the 1st of November, 2013, in Sault Ste. Marie, Canada, and it was already in the 30s there, and, oh. and, and, <laughs> and there, was, uh, there was snow on the ground, Yeah, and so you, you can't say it took place in Florida, so they made up this fictitious name in Michigan, and uh, I never pastored in Michigan, but... They used that uh, for the movie, but then yeah, it was just yeah, just amazing. It started in 2009-10. It was filmed uh, in November of 2013, and the movie didn't hit the theaters until January of 2016. And so I learned uh, I learned a lot about you know when you go in and watch a movie in the theater. It's possible that, you know, it was filmed three years before that. Yeah. Mm, yeah. You know, it was like that uh, James Bond movie that came out. You know, that thing was supposed to come out in in uh, 2020, I think. Yeah. yeah. Early 2020, because yep. it had already been filmed a couple of years before that, and it didn't come out until this year. So, how, that's the way. how, um, engulfed in, picking who you want into the movie were you uh like did you say all right let's spoil it i want roddy piper in this movie i want rj skinner which uh, us people in pittsburgh and uh in the pennsylvania area know is rj city uh did you get to pick people you wanted in the movie or was that kind of dealt by casting no that's that's all handled by uh the, the casting director i think her name was beverly holloway she's the one that uh uh, you know, signs everybody for the movie. But when I saw Roddy Rowdy Piper's name on there, I just I jumped up out of my seat. Because, uh, <laughs> I couldn't have picked uh, I couldn't have picked a better uh, better person than uh, Roddy Piper for the movie. A better bad guy. Just, yeah, yeah. I was I was so thrilled. Uh, that guy, you know, he was just one of the best in the business i mean as wrestler uh interviews i mean great actor human you know, being movie, yeah mm-hmm. his movie uh they live my goodness it, it's got yeah. a cult following you know yep. and uh, he's just a he's a great actor i i'd worked against him like 25 years before that and i said he's not gonna remember me and so when uh when his uh, time came for the movie and he was on the set and I got to go up and say hey to him he, uh, I remember you and he I, he didn't he didn't remember me I know he didn't but he but sold it, it well just, uh, yeah he sold yeah. it well he did but it, it was great you know that guy uh, he loved his family if you look at any of his stuff on YouTube uh, you see him in the ring he always worked with his wedding ring on never took his wedding ring off um, and he, he loved his family, loved his family. And it was such a shock that, you know, the movie was filmed in November and then he died at the end of July the next year. And it was just, mm-hmm. just devastating. I couldn't, couldn't believe it whenever I heard it. So he never got to see the movie. Quick story mm-hmm. on Roddy from me. Uh, we met him two weeks prior 
to him passing in, it was around Hagerstown, Maryland, a little or small town, but my friend lives in Hagerstown, Maryland, so we were, you know, stationed there. We went, and he kind of had a signing at this comic shop. It was limited to 200 people, I think, and he was only yeah. supposed to be there two hours, two and a half hours. It took him two and a half hours to get through 20 people. Because yeah. he sat there and talked to everybody. Of course, we were one, two, and three in line. We walked in, yeah. and he pinpointed something on me that uh, insignificant to human beings around the world, and you brought it up, the wedding ring. He, as yeah. soon as I walked up, he's like, how's your wife and family? Roddy, I don't know who you are from Eve. So how <laughs> are you asking about – But he. So I went right into that. Like, my wife's good. My kid's good. They didn't come. da da da, da. And then it just rolled into us. How do you like wrestling? He spent 25 to 30 minutes with each person, and he stayed there until that line was done. Wee hours yeah. of the morning. Because he cared. He legitimately cared about his people. Yeah, he was making yeah. money. I understand that. But, man, he is, and no disrespect to anybody I've ever talked to on this show or met in person, he's one of the greatest people I've ever met in my life. Because he gave yeah, me he, that emotion. Yeah, he was he was just a super, super, super guy. He really was. Jenks, you want to go to the movie? <laughs> or do you want me to talk about RJ City and how he's such a heel and a miserable person? <laughs> that how did you how did you like working with him? Uh, and he's a great guy, by the way. Yeah, you know they had uh let's see the of course uh uh, James Preston Rogers plays the Reaper, and he he was influential in uh, I think in getting most of those guys uh, together. And uh, you know, out of all the guys that uh, worked uh, in the movie, as far as uh, you know, uh, that had wrestling scenes in the movie, uh, I I think he was you know he was he was the best. He really was. He was just he was. Uh, you know, great, he's a good looking guy and he, he did real well in the ring. So, you know, he was just just a super, super guy to work with. Go ahead, Jenks. Well, it's amazing hearing about so we talked about the wrestlers and that. Do you feel like the actors on the flip side of that, were they good to work with or did you prefer working with wrestlers or was it just because of that common bond you guys had being in the ring and having that those life experiences that you guys had. Yeah, you know, it, it, it was great with uh, the, uh, the the actors and all, but you know, um, I, I got to be I got to be on the set of the movie. It was, it was just simple. I mean, from the minute I got off the plane, you know, when I got off the plane and my wife and I were walking from the little tunnel from the plane to the terminal, and you get over there and there's a sign somebody's holding up a sign and it's got the picture of the, you know, the movie on it. And, and I walk over and I said, I guess you're from here for me. And, you know, Oh yeah. And, you know, you got your own driver that, that takes you everywhere and picks you up and stuff. And so wow. that, uh, the very first morning of the uh, wrestling filming, you know, I, I get, picked up at the hotel about 6.30, and she drives me to the arena. It was it was filmed in a big hockey arena there in Sault Ste. Marie. Okay. And um, 
when you walk in, you're actually up top and you're looking down. So when I walked in, I looked down and I saw the I saw the wrestling ring and my heart started beating a little faster. And then I saw I saw the wrestlers there and um, there was a, a, a young kid there putting on his boots. And so I, you know, I went down and I walked up and I said, you know, I haven't been in the ring in 25 years. I said, would you uh, get in there and do some moves with me? And he lacing up his boots and he looked up and he said you know you're you're a stinking old man i'm not getting in the ring with you oh wow he said uh come on let's just get in the ring let's get in the ring and he he finally he uh he said okay we got up to the uh the ring he said you need to wipe your feet before you get in the ring and he's telling me all this stuff and i said no problem no problem so we locked up and did a uh, a couple of things, and I'm saying, you know, take me over. And he, he finally, I just said, you know, let me show you what I mean. So I arm dragged him. I did an arm drag takedown on him, and and he sat up and he said, "Who the heck are you?" <laughs> <laughs> said, uh, I wrote the book. This is uh, the movie based on me, and of course, his whole attitude changed. Oh man, I didn't know. And he got up, and then we started doing some stuff, and then. He, uh, I said, you know, I haven't had a body slam in 25 years. So, so he got the got the body slam me there in the uh, ring. 59 years old, taking a body slam, and it was uh, it was pretty awesome. Matter of fact, you can see that on YouTube. You know, if you look at all the stuff on the mass thing, uh, the interview that I did or the behind the scenes stuff is on YouTube, and you can see that body slam. It's kind of cool. That's awesome. How did you feel coming out of that body slam? I know you said you felt pretty great, but I. Yeah. The next morning, it was kind of like, ah, that was a little off. Nope, nope. That kid did a great job. Uh, He he did a great job, and I, uh, you know, it felt great because it cracked everything in your back. You know, (laughs) maybe that's what we need in the morning before I go to work. Have my wife throw me around, body slam me, get me loosened up for the garbage route. (laughs) It It was awesome. Uh, so you're happy then you're, you're happy with the movie, the way it outcomes and everything. And then you kind of transition to being full-time pastor, yeah. right? Full-time pastor yeah. and yeah. your life is, I know the answer to this because I, I can feel it in your hearts. And I, I said during the movie, mm-hmm. I, I, I did skim over this real quick, but the movie itself, guys, if you haven't watched it and you're just listening to this, cool. Listen to this first then make sure you go watch the movie. It's everywhere to be found. But I would yeah. I would respectfully ask you to go buy it from Chris, honestly, and get all his yeah. stuff too. I yeah. cried. It, it it hit me so much. And it's it's religion based wrestling movie is the way that I kind of have it as a genre. And I don't know if I was just having a down day or something, but I after I watched this, I was ready to tackle the world again. Because when you're saving, and I don't want to ruin a lot of the movie, but when you're saving, like, the prostitutes and the the bad people and just like that, I see that in my life. And I'm like, man, this this guy's an amazing guy. He's an amazing, and I just start crying, like, full-fledged crying. And I, I know, I'm one to speak this way, Chris. I know the Holy Spirit hit me at that moment. I'm like... I need to talk to him. I need to do whatever. I need to be the little guy, at least the engine that could, to get the word back out about this. If if there's a slight trickle on this movie, we needed to uptick again because it could legit save lives. That's my yeah. feeling about this movie. Yeah. 
Well, man, I, I really appreciate that. That's, that's just uh, very humbling that you, you would say that. I, I, I really um, am thankful that, you know, you, you got the message out of that. Because, uh, uh, you know, when I, when I got out of wrestling and became a pastor, I got to do uh, maybe four or five benefits for people after that. I had a lady that was dying of cancer in my church, and I did a benefit because I still had friends in the business, and I, you know, had connections. And, and so I did, did some great shows, man. I had some great people on there. You know, I had, uh, uh, I think the last one I did had, had Dory Funk. It had Rick Rude, Dick Slater, Bugsy McGraw. It had The Warlord. I uh, just had some great, great names, and so I got to, you know, uh, work again in the ring, and then uh, later to see the the book published, and then uh, the movie, and uh, to to see the uh, the message that came across. You know, I mean, I'm just uh, I'm a crazy guy, but I uh, <laughs> the, uh, you can the, admit it. The uh, you know the line that. Uh, Miss Miss Edna in the movie. Miss Edna was actually from my childhood, hmm. and um, I think she's the star of the book. If you read the book, she's the star because I just learned so much from her. And of course, uh, the great Diane uh, Carroll plays her in the movie, and then they bring her up to real time. And I thought that that's kind of an injustice because she was so influential in my life when I was growing up. But she used to say. You know, she quoted Edmund Burke that said, uh, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And wow. I just, I just, you know, you see so much today where people see an injustice and then they just turn their back and they, they don't do anything. And when I was growing up, uh, that was instilled in me that, you, you know, when someone's in, in need, you, you don't turn your back. You got to do something to help. And so I was just crazy enough to, to do that. Uh, but, you know, uh, I think the last time this happened, I was in my last church. I pastored three churches over 30 years. And uh, my last church, um, you know, I'm coming out of the office. I got a suit and tie on and, and somebody dropped the F-bomb in the parking lot. Well, if you're in a church parking lot and somebody drops the F-bomb, it'll get your attention. And I, I turned around and I saw this big guy, you know, slapping. Uh, I didn't know who it was, but it was his pregnant girlfriend. Oh. And every other word out of his mouth was that, you know, that horrible word. And so I screamed across the parking lot and he screamed back at me and he called me a few expletives. And so I just started walking towards him and I I dropped my glasses, I dropped my coat, I dropped my tie, and uh, when I got up to him, I said, hey, man, you're in the church parking lot, you shouldn't be using language like that, and you shouldn't be, you certainly shouldn't be hitting this young lady, and and then he came towards me and said, you know, he was screaming as he came towards me, and I just, you know, just a reflex, you know, I decked him, and we got into it in the parking lot, and, and I ultimately, I body slammed him on the concrete, and that took all the wind out of him. And um, so, you know, I, I 
put my knee down in his throat and held him there and said, we're going to have a little talk and I let you up. You're not going to do any of these things. Are you going to, well, anyway, when he got up, he didn't do that. He cussed me even more. And, and then, uh, him and his girlfriend left, but, uh, I had to stand in front of the church that time and say, you know, tell them what I did. And amazingly, you know, they all stood and applauded rather than getting rid of me. Uh, but it's a different world today. You know, it's a different world today. In my day, you know, you didn't worry about somebody pulling a gun out and shooting you. Right. Uh, but this, this yeah. day and age, this day and age, you know, you don't know what's going to happen, whether somebody's going to, you know, bring a gun out and shoot you or, or bring a knife out and stab you. Uh, right. But, but I would tell you that if I saw it today, um, you know, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. If I saw it today, I'd still do something. And, you know, I might, I might go out with a, a blaze of glory and be on the six o'clock news, but I would still do it today. That's amazing. Uh, that is. We, we have we have a few more questions. I know we're going to probably keep you a little bit longer. I apologize. But there, there's just some random questions that we have to get in as well. But before we get to those random questions, um, I want to give you your time. Do you have um, your platform for when you're preaching? Do you put it on the website? Can we follow it every Sunday? Because maybe, you know, hearing the story that – Excuse me, because I have to use this word. You're still kicking ass being a preacher. Um, maybe that is going to get into a wrestling fan's head because uh, let's face facts. There, there's some wrestling fans that need help. And I'm the one saying it, not either one of you two that need help. If this podcast today that they're like, oh my God, this, this preacher right now, pastor, whatever you want to be called can, you know, get into their head. Do you put your, your lectures online or can we watch them on Sundays or something like that? You might be grabbing a lot of people that you don't know and you could have a huge influx down in uh, Florida soon because I'm ready to move to go to your church and I'm Catholic. <laughs> I told you that earlier. <laughs> well, you know, I they, they used to be, you know, my, my last church, I was, uh, I was a pastor for 14 years and, um, I retired from there in 2000, at the end of 2013, matter of fact, uh, right after the movie was filmed. Um, and I, you know, I just am not, um, serving as a senior pastor now i left there and i went to first baptist church of orlando where i became uh like a staff pastor and an associate pastor and um uh, first baptist orlando is a huge church they've got over twenty thousand members holy and, moly that's uh, more than a monday night rockets yeah <laughs> they've got a you know they've got a great senior pastor and and then they have about 20 pastors on staff. So I was just one of those that work with, uh, you know, a certain group of people. So uh, I'm not the guy that's preaching there every week. You know, they have an unbelievable senior pastor, uh, Dr. David Youth, who is there. But, you know, I still teach and stuff. And I might, you know, I might start doing some stuff on Facebook Live that uh, you, you've kind of inspired me uh by your comments that I might start doing some stuff on Facebook live. Um, so if, if people want to friend me on cool. Facebook, let's go. I've got, 
I got about uh, 5,000 friends, but there's there's some of those folks, you know, that have probably died on there that I could take <laughs> off. Or I probably need to clean that up a little bit so that more people could friend me. And uh, But they can do that. Start. And, uh, we can start a group page for you that you can do all that off of, and oh, you have oh, millions and millions. Just, yeah. Yeah, I, I just started um, – a different page you know you can only have 5,000 friends but uh i have another thing on facebook it's i think it's called uh it's either the mass saint chris whaley or chris whaley the mass saint and you can uh, uh follow me on that and i can have you know i could have a hundred thousand friends and that that one's okay but that that would be the one to start putting that uh, message on so yeah. I'll, I'll start doing that that's awesome but um, I hope they would uh, join my Facebook page. That would be great. Yeah, for sure. Um, my last question, and I know Jenks has some really silly ones. Do you? And we talked about this prior to we came on a little bit. Uh, do you watch wrestling now, or or anything like that? No, I'm just you know, uh, yeah. When I when I was in wrestling, man. You know, it was just, it, it was tough. Uh, you, you, you had to learn the moves. You had to learn the holes. Yeah. And you had to do the stuff. And today, it just seems like high spot after high spot after high spot. Yep. Nobody's doing the other stuff. And then yeah. you got a lot of, you got a lot of backyard wrestling. I mean, some of the things I see on, on Facebook, it just makes me cringe. You know, guys. Mm-hmm jumping on light bulbs on a table and stuff, just crazy, crazy stuff like that. And so I'm just not really a big fan of the way they're doing uh, wrestling today. Uh, you know, every now and then I'll meet some kid that's working and then I might just watch it just to see him work. Uh, but I'm just not a fan of the way they're doing things today. Okay. Jenks, I know you have at least two questions that are out of our bag of gags. So go ahead and ask them those now. After we've had this serious interview, go ahead and ask them those. You know, just to bring it back up, but I want to, I do want to say, Chris, I was moved by the movie too. I really love the movie and I really want to push out there that people should go out and watch it and get the book, pay for it all. It, it was fantastic and told a very inspirational story and it showed that you have a lot of heart and character uh, in yourself as a person. Um, saying that, now we'll transition to the goofy stuff. But uh, the one question I have, so Mark, you're going to have to refresh me on the other one, but something that always comes up here recently on Can Crusher interviews is what's your favorite type of breakfast cereal? <laughs> <laughs> don't know why but it just started the one day so uh, you know i uh uh last uh last year i got serious uh about my health i put on some weight and so i um i got involved with this program that uh i'm i'm a coach of now uh it's uh, optavia and uh, it really helped me uh, lose weight. I dropped 60 pounds. And uh, so anyway, they have shakes. You order the food from them. Okay. And so it's got shakes and stuff. So I take the uh, I take the vanilla shake and I put a banana in it. And so I have a oh. banana milkshake for breakfast every morning. 
Okay. That sounds amazing. That, that, sounds, amazing. that sounds better than the stupid follow-up question I'm going to have. But when yeah. you did used to eat cereal back in the day of being a child or whatever, and, yep. and we'll end on yep. this, Chris. I'm yep. so sorry. How yep. did you make your cereal? Because I, I'm learning there's some sociopaths out there in the United States that did you do the cereal first and then milk, or did you do the, the milk and then the cereal? Oh, no. I always put the cereal in exactly. there and then pour the milk over. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, and, and this is the stupid stuff that we talk about on the sh- on the show. Sometimes, yeah, like it brings up some. Like, I love the uh, the Rice Krispies. Wasn't that it? Wasn't that oh yeah, yeah, Rice Krispies. Yeah. I don't even yeah. know if they still make that. They do. Rice Krispies has yeah. such a heart, uh, a place yeah. in my heart because that was my bedtime snack at my grandmother's yeah. during the summer. She's like, oh, you can have a bowl of Rice Krispies and then go to bed. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Snap, crackle, and pop. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Chris, uh, I want to thank you and uh, let hey. Jenks do his, his well wishes, too, um, for coming on Can the I show. Can I tell you? Yeah, you tell me Can whatever you, you want. Okay. All right. Uh, the second book, you know, people are going to look on it and say, what? What the heck is this? Uh, uh, you know, once you've written a book and it's been made into a movie, it kind of spoils you. And so I was, I wanted to write another book, and I – uh, my my wife and I we we love these Hallmark Christmas movies. You know, I get in touch oh, with my feminine God. my feminine side. You this know, is going to be edited this. out. I already know this. Yeah. Or, yeah. This is going to go on my <laughs> wife hey, podcast or something. No, no, no. So I, <laughs> I I don't like those movies because they're so stupid. Because they always have a misunderstanding on there, and I'm saying, why do they do this? And so I wrote a Christmas book. And uh, matter of fact, Hallmark's looking at it now. So there's oh, a possibility that they might I won't they watch might it. Have Oh, no, I'm kidding. It's better. I think it's better than any movie they got on there. But it's it's a great Christmas book. It's called Harold's Heavenly Christmas. And and then uh, a friend of mine and I, we just finished uh, my third book. Well, we wrote it together because he he was one of the first guys I got into wrestling with. And uh, so we wrote a book. It's it's called Mr. President. And. uh, Ooh. Back in the uh, back in the old days, they used to have this uh, comedian uh, by the name of Pat Paulson who would run for president every four years. Yep. And so, so we have a character in the book that is uh, Timmy Connors, and he's a sleazy comedian, and he ends up running for president every four years, and he gets a, a, a unbeknown unbeknown celebrity. To give him an autograph, and what they're actually signing is an agreement to be his vice presidential candidate. <laughs> and and uh, so he gets an autograph from the world heavyweight wrestling champion. And um, so it gets the promoters involved, and they say, Well, we're getting some good publicity out of this, so we'll just uh, leave it alone. And then um, the uh, the Democrats have a scandal. The Republicans have a scandal and the comedian wins the presidency. And then when he's making this acceptance speech, he has a heart attack and it makes the world heavyweight wrestling champion, the president. When is this coming out? I need this in my life yesterday. When is this coming out? Well, we're working, we're working on getting it published right now, but it's, it's, it's going to be, it's a great, great story. And it's you know it's humorous, but it's got it's got wrestling, it's got politics, and it's got comedy in it. So it's it's something for everybody. But uh, be looking for that one. That one's going to be coming out. It and seems I'm like you really just booked excited. your next time on Can Crushers because once we get in our book, <laughs> our hands on that book, we'll read it, and we yeah. need to just deep dive into that. 
Yeah, yeah. All right. I'll, I'll do that. But uh, <laughs> hey, uh, just just a real honor being um, uh, interviewed by you guys, and I wish you nothing but the best. And I hope your hope your podcast goes viral, and and uh, hope you guys do real well. Thank you, sir. And thank again, you, thank sir. you for for coming sure. on the show. It's been a blast. It's been humbling talking to somebody like this that has lived this life for me. And again, true emotions. I hope you do the the Facebook lives because you'll see Mark Martinez pop up when you you do that because you've touched well, me, sir. You have. Well, let me let me tell you. You know the greatest the greatest thing that ever happened to me in my life and is not wrestling. Uh, the, the greatest thing that ever happened to me was you know as a young man in my freshman year in college uh, when I uh, got down on my knees and I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and. He, uh, he was able to, to change my life, you know, because at that point, there was nothing good in my life. I mean, I'd made some bad, bad decisions. I was just running from a lot of stuff. And uh, there's, there's a great, great passage in the Bible. It's in uh, the book of Jeremiah, in chapter 18, where God told uh, the prophet uh, to go visit the potter and he would teach him a great lesson. And when the potter got there and he saw the, the I mean, when the, the prophet got there, he saw the potter working with this piece of clay on the wheel. And when he got through with the piece of clay, it had all of these flaws in it. And um, and so the potter simply squished it back together and put it back on the wheel. And he made the same piece of clay into a new vessel. And then God said to the potter, um, Cannot I do the same with you as the potter has done with the clay, or as the clay is in the hands of the potter, so are you in my hands. And that was my story, you know. When I, I came to God, I just had so many flaws in my life, and he put me back on the wheel and made me into a new vessel. And um, so I, I think the, you know, the whole message of the movie is that you know, God is the God of a second chance. And if you messed your life up, that's not the end of the story. You know, you can give your life to God, and He can make you, and He can make you into something useful. Because that's my story. You know, there was nothing good in my life until He came into my life, and uh, He made me a, a better person. He made me a lot better husband, and He made me a better dad. And um, I've been married for 46 years, and I got two wonderful daughters who made great choices and married great young men and uh, they're both walking with God and uh, my grandkids now I have six grandkids and I've just been very very blessed and every good thing that's happened to me in my life has been a result of uh, my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and thank you for letting me say that no problem there's no better way of ending the show than that in my book that's again just thank you um god bless you for that testimony right there uh and thank you for being part of the show all right god bless you guys take care bye-bye thank you (sighs) jenks that was a breath of sigh relief i feel good about myself after that interview this was an interview I needed. And again, we talked about wrestling. We talked about the movie. But you know what touched me? The last two minutes again. 
and yeah. I am going to be the one waving his flag if he starts that Facebook, you know, preaching. I don't even know what he's going to call it because I'm just so tongue tied right now. If he starts <laughs> that every Sunday at eight o'clock at night or whatever, I- I'm going to be there waving my hand saying Amen because. He is an amazing human being, and just talking to him, I want to go to Florida. And I was joking during the episode, and I'll let you go, about moving to Florida and having him be my priest the rest of my life. Because (laughs) if I'm in trouble and he's body slamming people in the parking lot, hell yeah, I'm there. It would be behoove you to do that. So, But but no, this was – it was a beautiful story, and getting more – and understanding more about him during the over the course of this interview just really reinforced the message that was in the movie and that the message told it like we talked about in the interview and like you said you know you mentioned you know you cried it was an inspirational story and it talked about the big heart and the caring that he had for not only himself but other individuals which comes with the territory when you're past it but being the professional wrestler that he is it just it kind of added another element to it and he could do more about saving those people that needed it. Uh, he talked about uh, some of those individuals, that individual in the parking lot that he saved body slamming them. Like you mentioned, that is something that no other human, no other person would do. I couldn't you know see my I mean? priest body, body slamming someone in the parking I, lot. I couldn't see it either. The people, the priests that I've been around lately, not a chance. Um, so this was, I think it was an inspirational story, but also hearing his side of it and hearing his insight to go take it that one step further than what you saw in the movie was just told it even more and made it even more beautiful. Yeah, and to rewind a little bit, I didn't do a lot of research because it was I wanted to hear his story. I didn't know that he fought the funks and he he was in yeah. Texas. I didn't do that research because. This was about the movie, and I wanted him to hear that I cried about the movie and how he touched me. But we wanted some wrestling on this podcast as well. So we heard, you know, his beginning, and uh, now I need to deep dive and to find some more of his matches. I need to just, I need to be be engulfed by the Masked Saint. You know, I I really do. And Jenks, I'd be behooved if I didn't say, this dude's still doing 300 push-ups. I I don't do 300 (laughs) push-ups a decade, and he's still going at it. Three hundred push-ups a decade. I don't think I've done that in my life. Right. So you know, more power to him. But that is not happening for me. He. It, it was interesting. The little research that I did do before the episode, because you're right, it was mostly focused on the professional wrestling aspect in the movie itself. But the little research which I did see when I saw that competition with Eddie Graham and all of that stuff, that intrigued me a little bit to understand what that kind of rivalry or you know, what that back and forth between the two promotions was. So it was interesting to get his perspective on that from being a talent that was involved in essentially in that war or feud between the two. Yeah. Yeah. And he put some good perspective on it. Um, Moving forward in his life, being a pastor at three churches in 30 years. So he kind of worked like in the Steelers organization, three coaches in 30 years. He's just, yeah. I don't know why I had to get that one in, but well, I, I don't know why either. But you know, yeah, yeah I think just, he's won more championships for that. Clearly, he's won years. Yeah, clearly he has. <laughs> Guys, uh, I'll let Jenks go again. But if you have not watched the movie, yes, it's available on Tubi and all that. Um, 
once you watch it, you'll feel the need to have it. And that's where I am. I need to have it. I need to have the book. I need to have the signing. So that is all getting ordered as soon as we're done here. And guys, the link is attached. You know, go and order it yourself. And how about dropping two more books on us? Uh, the Hallmark yeah. Christmas one, maybe maybe Kelly and Moochie can interview him about that. But <laughs> when we get the Mr. President one, oh my God, I can't wait for that book. Throw the politics out the window if it's heavy politics, because you know how much I care about that whatsoever. But right. to have a president of the United States being a world heavyweight champion, we almost champion. had that in Jesse Ventura. That's true. We did. I, w- I want to see what kind of event we can put on the White House lawn. Yes. Would it be rumble in the house? I don't know. In your house. Literally in your, <laughs> in in your, your White House. Political smackdown. In your in White your House. house politi- in your White House political smackdown one or something like that. So Yeah. I can't wait. Not at all. Jenks, I had a blast having you on with this one. I, I think it kind of... It brought something closer together with me and you it being your first one. You'll be on more, I'm sure. But this one, I, I yeah. felt I felt the need to have you on this one for some reason. And I, I hope that calling helped or whatever. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm not a priest. A priest. I'm not a priest patcher or anything. But I just figured this would be the perfect one to have you come on. And I think you got something out of it. I did. I did. I got a lot out of it. Um, it was an honor to be on this one and have it be my first is there's more to this story than just the wrestling aspect, which we all know and love, but there's a little bit more to this that made it even more special. So I appreciate you having me on this one to help out. I love you all the time, brother. You know that. I love you too, brother. Remember, just because you're trash, though, doesn't mean you can't do great things. It's a garbage can, not a garbage cannot.